the Rebbe, our Rebbe, before he became Rebbe, uh, was once in Vienna. He was a young man in his 20s or 30s, early 30s. And he told this story over personally, so we know that it happened firsthand. He was in a shul in Vienna, and just before they davened the evening prayer, just before they davened Mayriv, he went over to the pushka, and he put on a coin for tzedakah. So a young man, and the Rebbe, when he told over the story, he called him a fine young man. So the fine young man came over to me after the davening, and he started to castigate, to rebuke the Rebbe, how come he gave tzedakah at night? The Arizal, according to Kabbalah, he writes, you shouldn't give tzedakah by night. You only give tzedakah by day, not by night. Of course, the Rebbe knew what he was doing. But this is the, the rebuke this young man gave him. So later on, he traveled to Warsaw to be with his father-in-law, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. And he told over this story. He said, I was in Vienna, I gave tzedakah at night, the young man came over. So the Friedrich Rebbe laughed. And he said, that guy probably doesn't give tzedakah by day either. <laughs> We're learning another letter about tzedakah. Many of the letters in this book, book four of the Tanya, are about tzedakah. This is actually a pretty early letter. The historians, they, they say it's about 1793-1794. And many of the letters in this book we've seen are the annual fundraising pitches that the Alter Rebbe used to send to collect money for supporting the Hasidic community in Israel. This one is different. This is a very short letter, letter number 16, and it has a header, which says that it was written to a specific community. We don't know where it was, but it was just to, a, just to one community. And it becomes obvious from the content of the letter that this community had fallen on hard times, the economy was really bad, and it stopped a significant number of community members from being as generous as they used to be with their contributions to tzedakah. And essentially the Alter Rebbe tells them, poverty is no excuse. You must continue giving even when your own situation is dire. He has a whole argument with a number of points, but the thrust is squeeze yourself. Squeeze yourself to give tzedakah. And uh, this kind of talk, you know, when we, when we hear this instruction, give even when you can't, almost. It makes people uncomfortable, because what do you mean? Where do you draw the line between piety and uh, irresponsibility? You know, what do you mean give? Uh, how crazy should I be? So the Rebbe was once asked this question, and he told over the story that I just said about his father-in-law. And he said, you know, people tell me that um, they're very careful not to give tzedakah when they're in debt. Because there's a Jewish work that's called the Sefer Hasidim, written by a very prominent rabbi number of centuries, number of centuries ago. And he writes very harshly about not giving tzedakah while you're in debt. So someone told me he's very careful not to give tzedakah when he's in debt. So I said, do you only remember this work when it comes to tzedakah? Or you also remember this work when it comes to vacation and other non-essential things. If you only remember it when it comes to tzedakah, it's a sign that the thoughts are coming from the wrong place. In other words, the Rebbe said, you ha it's, it's a matter of, of perspective. In the end, all of our material prosperity, all of our wealth comes directly from Hashem. 
It's a deposit. The word tzedakah actually in Hebrew does not mean charity. I know it's translated as charity, but it means righteousness because giving away part of your money to another is the right thing to do. Hashem gave it to you so that you can pass it on to another. That's how Hashem created a world of givers and takers. That's how He made. That's how He hardwired the world. And when under pressure, specifically financial pressure, it's a time to be introspective and to ask ourselves, how much can I really push myself to still be a giver in this situation? In 1953, there was a, a businessman who it seems like, it's not clear exactly, but it seems like he lost a considerable amount of money in uh, a certain deal and it affected his financial life very harshly. And he wrote to the Rebbe about it. I want to just read you this as a quote directly, an English letter the Rebbe wrote to this man. And he says, you write to me that certain areas in the field of commerce are currently not realizing expectations. Undoubtedly, we must view this as a test from God. Listen to these words. Though he knows, Hashem knows, that the Jewish heart is always open and at all times ready to heed the call of Torah and mitzvahs, still he tests us in order to satisfy the reluctant to believe angels of the heavenly court. Angels are challenging God. They say, your kids are not as faithful as you think. They're reluctant to believe, so Hashem sends you a test. God therefore says to them, see, Despite the natural tendency to decrease in tzedakah, when business is not, all, not as it once was, here is a wise Jew who understands that this is only an attempt to test him. He also understands that when he will withstand the test, and will then understand the real intent behind it all, not only will his business be as prosperous as beforehand, but it will be better than before. That's how the Rebbe viewed these situations, as a theme, by the way. I, I picked one letter. But many times when people ask them what to do under financial strait, the Rebbe would say, give more, or at least promise to give something that's beyond your means. Make the pledge. People go, what? <laughs> I'm telling you that I'm struggling and you're pushing me further? That's the Rebbe said, this is, it's a test. Hashem wants to see the level of devotion. When you show that you pass the test, He'll make you even more, even more prosperous. The Rebbe, it's a whole lengthy letter and he talks about how this man is a veteran and veterans always have experience. And he should know that uh, like any good investment, sometimes you want to keep your money even when the market's crashing. That's when you want to keep your money in the market, not, not take it out. And ultimately, the stocks rise and you see, your, uh, you see your part. So why, why, why am I saying this? The idea is that sometimes the answer to a challenging financial situation is to be challenged further with tzedakah. And we can assume and we can believe that if the Alter Rebbe challenged this community to give even under pressure, it was because he knew that was the right thing for them. The Talmud teaches, according to the camel is the load. Hashem never puts something on a person's shoulders that he can't handle. And tzaddikim, righteous men who are in the image of their creator, followed the same with their chassidim. The Rebbe actually writes in a letter once, I never come out with a public campaign unless I estimate that a majority of my followers can follow it. In other words, if they gave the instructions, it's because we can do it. And from that perspective, that, that's our context going into the letter. The author is going to challenge them. He's going to be harsh. He's not going to mince words. But it's because he knows that this is the way to go. When it looks bleak, that's when you want to increase. And he starts off very empathetically. Ahuvai achai verea. He uses the Hebrew terminology. My beloved, my brothers, my friends. You're like my soul. 
Don't think that I don't know about what's going on. Because you have those people, right? they're, they're like out of touch. You don't know what's happening in the business world. You call them up. Hey, Harry, can you still give your 18,000 yearly donation? Rabbi, you don't know what's going on. I, my, my, my business is struggling. Oh, I didn't know. The author says, no, I don't, don't think I don't know. I know what's going on. I know how, he uses very poetic Hebrew words, tzokaitim, I know the, the, um, the pressure of the time. Everybody's taking a hit. I know, says the Alter Rebbe, I even know that some of you in the community are being forced to borrow money just to pay for your basic expenses. So you're actually in debt. You're, you're borrowing. God should have mercy, give you abundance, but that's where you're at. However, says the Alter Rebbe, you should know that by withholding your regular contributions, you aren't doing your soul any good. Your soul is being hurt by the fact that you're now closing your fist and instead of it being open and generous, you're no longer giving. You're no longer filling the needs of those that are really destitute and really have nothing. That's the header. You're struggling, not an excuse not to give. And now the Alter Rebbe lays down the points for his argument why you should still give. First he goes from a legal perspective, purely halacha, purely Jewish law. There's a famous piece of Talmud that states the following case. Two people were walking in the road. They had nothing with them, no one with them, except for one jar of water. If they share it, they both die. If one drinks, he lives. What do you do? The prisoner's dilemma. An ethical challenge. You're walking with a friend, dying of thirst, and there's only enough water for one person. There was a sage whose name was Ben Patura. He says, split the water. Both of them should drink so that one not be responsible for the death of his friend. Rabbi Akiva, however, ruled, no, if you own the jug of water, Chayecha Kodmin, it's a famous Talmudic dicta, Chayecha Kodmin, your life comes first. There's a verse that says, one of the verses that describes tzedakah, says your brother shall live with you, which means, he lives secondary to you. First you have to make sure that you live, and then your friend lives. So Rabbi Akiva rules, that's Jewish law, Chayecha Kodmin. Says the Alter Rebbe, so you're going to tell me, Chayecha Kodmin, I'm struggling. Why should I give my friends? I'm going to take care of my own life. So the Alter Rebbe says, that's only in a situation where the only food or liquid at hand is water. Both of you equally need the same stuff. But I submit to you, says the Alter Rebbe, and I challenge you, that you guys want more luxuries. And that's what you're borrowing the money for. And you could really be taking care of people who are lacking in the basics. If both of you were equally poor, equally 
destitute. Then we could argue on a halachic level. But I think, says the Alter Rebbe, that you guys are being a little more generous to yourselves than to others. Now think of what this means. The Alter Rebbe is saying, until you're down to the bare minimum of bread and water and the shirt on your back, you have to be giving tzedakah. Even from a legal perspective, halachic perspective. Don't tell me, chayecha kodman, your life comes before. No, your life comes before if it's both basic. Someone else's basics, your luxuries, someone else's basics comes first. The Altairus actually says that it's based on the Talmud itself. The Talmud says, if you had a, a running stream of water that would um, stop off at different cities, and this city needed water to drink, and the coming city needed water to drink, this city, the first one, can take as much water as they need and then let the river flow and take care of whatever is left for that city. Downstream. Downstream. Same thing if it's for the same needs of animals. Let's say they have a, there's enough water for everyone to drink, but the animals need to drink in this city and in that city. The first city can take whatever it wants. It gets first rights. Same thing with, let's say, food, let's say people and animals are all taken care of, but they need laundry water. So long as it's the same need, this one comes before that one. The second, it's your laundry versus somebody else's animals, their animals come first. Because it's a more of a basic need. So there we see even in the Talmud indicated the more basic a need comes before luxuries. Anyway, that's the halachic argument the Alter Rebbe says. You should give tzedakah regardless. Then the Alter Rebbe shifts gears. And he says, let's even say, forget my analogy. Let's even say you both of you need the exact same amount. I say, says the Alter Rebbe, you should still give tzedakah. You should find it within yourself to dig deep in your wallet and give somebody else. Why? In Jewish law, we have a concept called lifnim mishurat hadin, which means beyond the letter of the law. There's always the letter of the law and then beyond the letter of the law. Beyond the letter of the law, by definition, means it's not the letter of the law. But if you want to be pious and extra careful, you follow beyond the letter of the law. So the Alter Rebbe says, I believe this is a case which calls for beyond the letter of the law. By the book, you may have an exemption. But beyond the book, I say you should go, not just lifnim, you should have to use the Hebrew word, lifnai v'lifnim. Like beyond and beyond the letter of the law. Super, super push yourself to give tzedakah. Without limitations. And then he lays out a couple of points. Some of the commentaries, the early commentaries to the Tanya, they, they kind of structure it as the Alter Rebbe going more and more encompassing points. He says, first of all, you should know there's a piece of Talmud. The Talmud says, talks about lost objects. He says, you find two lost objects on the road. One belongs to you, one belongs to your father. Whose do you return first? Yours. Let's say it's a, it involves a lot of work. You've got to bring your father's cow back to him. It's a whole trip. You come first. And so on progressively. You come before other people in different situations. But the Gemara concludes that if you're too careful about this law of putting yourself first, in the end, you're going to become needy of others' help. You're too selfish. You're too egotistical. You're too self-centered. 
Hashem is going to make sure that the wheel turns. Rashi over there explains because you, you're essentially, by, by keeping on pulling out that card, you're saying, I don't want to be a tzedakah giver. I don't want to be a giver. I'm always going to find ways to put me first. Hashem says, you know what? I'm going to leave you with the need for others. There's a fascinating story recorded in the Tosfos, a commentary to the Talmud. When it talks about tzedakah, one of the places, the, the Torah says, aser to aser. Tithe you shall tithe. Give a tenth. So the Talmud says, aser, you can read it a little differently, aser bishvil shatit asher. Give a tenth so that you become rich. You give a tenth, it looks like you're taking away so much of yourself, Hashem will give it back in return. So the Tosafos records a story that there was a man who was very careful about this. Every time his field grew a hundred crops, he would give ten away. If it grew a thousand, he would give a hundred away. And he told his son, when I die, be very careful about this mitzvah. It brings blessings to our field. Son was a little bit more arrogant, a little more selfish than his father. The first crop came, and he had 10,000 bushels, 10,000 piles of grain. And he said, am I crazy? I'm going to give 1,000 away? Like my father said, it's ridiculous. No, I need to make more money. One year, I can handle, I'm going to keep. He didn't give away. The next year, what happened? He was left with a thousand. His field only produced a thousand bushels. That one thousand that he was supposed to give, he was left with a thousand. So now he said to himself, I'm surely crazy. I only got so little, I have to keep it all for myself. No way I'm giving the hundred away. And the next year, Hashem only made his crop grow a hundred bushels. So we learned from there that what you're supposed to give, you'll end up with. So the Alter Rebbe says, don't be so quick to go to that self-centered perspective of I'm before everybody. Sometimes it's appropriate, but don't go there all the time. Because if you do that, you're setting yourself up to become a vehicle for this negative energy, self-centered energy, which creates poverty and distance of financial success. That's the, that's the first point. Then the Alter Rebbe says, okay, that's a future calculation. If I give now, if I don't give now, I'm going to get money later. The future doesn't always work to affect our decisions in the present. So the Alter Rebbe says, let me tell you something about the present. It's human fact that we all could use more of God's help more of the time. Everybody needs Hashem's mercy intervention at one point or another. Maybe it's your children, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your wealth. We, who can't use a little Rachmanus? Who can't use a little heavenly compassion? Guess what, says the author of it. You want God to go beyond the letter of the law. You want God to give you what you don't deserve. Do something that he may not deserve. Give of yourself even when you think it's unbecoming. Give of yourself, give of your wallet, even when you think, maybe not. In Pirkei Avot, we, we say now every Shabbat, one chapter of Ethics of Our Fathers, there's a Mishnah there that says that uh, 
you should always, if you take a look at three things, you'll never come to sin. Know where you came from, where you're going, and before whom. Huh? Yes. Know before whom you're going to give a reckoning. Din v'cheshbon means a reckoning. But if you think about the literal words, din means the law, and cheshbon means an accounting. Typically, first you give an accounting, then you give the law. So it should say cheshbon v'din. You're going to give Hashem an accounting, and then get the gavel's going to bang down. Why does it say din v'cheshbon? So the Baal Shem Tov said once, that sometimes the way in the heavenly court, the way it goes, is that they don't always know how they should rule in a specific case. So when your soul ascends upstairs, they bring before you a case ostensibly of somebody else. And they ask you, tell me, how would you judge? Someone did so and so, he could have done the mitzvah, he didn't, he missed the opportunity, blah, 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 blah. If you go judgmental, what do you mean? He didn't do the mitzvah, he should have done it, how could he do it? Then Hashem says, oh, okay, interesting. Happens to be you're guilty of the same crime and you've just revealed to me how I should rule. But if you're more beneficial, more, you're more generous, you go, maybe we don't know his life circumstances, maybe he didn't have the right upbringing, maybe he was pressured, maybe he was this, and you're lighter on him, then they're in turn lighter on you. So sometimes they ask you to give the din. They ask you to say the law and then they make the cheshbon. Then they start the accounting. You get to rule on someone else's fate, and then Hashem says, okay, now we're going to carry it to you. So the Alter Rebbe said, it's not in the Tanya, but I'm borrowing that concept. You want Hashem to act to you in a certain way, rule that way on your own life. Show Him that this is, that this is the way you live. You live a generous life. And then Hashem will say, okay, I can be generous to Him too. That's a very present calculation. It's not just, I may come to this, I may come to that. Right now, I want Hashem's mercy in other areas of my life. If I show that I'm generous, I'll get the divine generosity. And then the Alter Rebbe pushes it further. And this is a fascinating, I think only in the Torah you have this concept, where a Jew can affect his past. It says that tzedakah is one of the primary ways to save both from physical punishment and from spiritual cleansing. At one point or another, we're all guilty of something that would require a punishment in biblical time, in, in, uh, in temple times. Or our souls, were doing soul abuse, putting our souls through that which it doesn't want to be put through. And when we get to the cleansing process, it's going to be painful. But if we give tzedakah in this world, it atones both spiritually and physically. So the Alter Rebbe says, there's nobody alive that doesn't need some, some of that protection. So think about the fact that if you're giving tzedakah, you're digging into your past and repairing mess-ups. You're repairing blemishes. By giving tzedakah, you're literally going backwards in time and making up for misdeeds in a way that now it won't be affected anymore. The famous verse says, Or ba'ad or, skin for skin, the asher la'ish yitain ba'ad nafsho. Everything a person has, he'll give for his soul. The commentaries explain, if someone's coming to whack you in the head, you'll willingly put up your hand in front 
and let your hand take the blow because it's less important than your head. So you'll give skin for skin. And if it was a question of life and death and just a bank account was the deciding factor, you give whatever it takes. How many stories do we know? A person has a child in danger or his own health is in danger. All financial planning falls to, falls to the wayside. This is, this is the most important stuff in life. So the Hathar says, tzedakah is literally healing your body, it's healing your soul. What wouldn't you do for that? So we have four points, right? First of all, if it's your basics against, if it's your luxuries against someone else's basics, there's for sure no, no question you give tzedakah. Even if it's basics to basics, go, go beyond the letter of the law. You don't want to end up in a similar situation. You want God's generosity and you can fix your past. And then al concludes with some final analysis and he says, everything I said before is besides the fact that we have a very ironclad principle in the Talmud. It's actually based on a verse. The verse says, Hashem One who does gracious deeds to a poor person is the lender of God. In the sense that which, the Talmud says, every act of tzedakah is a loan to Hashem. And somehow, I don't know how this works, but we're not allowed to lend with interest. When God takes a loan, He pays with interest. When you give tzedakah on His behalf to a poor person, He repays you, b'kiflayim, the Alter Rebbe says, in double measure. In fact, the Talmud observes, that there is no physical reward for mitzvahs in this world besides for mitzvahs that involve doing a favor for another Jew. So you put on tefillin, you shake a lulav, you eat matzah, you let menorah, all these things. They're spiritual acts that are between you and God. The payment for that comes later. But physical acts that are between you and man, for that you can get reward even in this world. One of the few things. In fact, Hashem says that tzedakah is one of the only areas you're allowed to test him with. You can test God. You can say, I'm giving this thousand dollars, it's beyond my need. Pay me back fourfold, I'm looking forward to it. And he does it. Test me, it's the only time God says test me. So all these points, beyond the letter of the law, you're looking for divine generosity, be generous, you can affect your past, you're lending Hashem money. Those are the positive reasons. And the Rebbe, I would say it's uncharacteristic of him, but he sneaks in, kind of like in a, in a line, something negative. He says, in halacha we have a principle that if a big number of Jews are rallying towards a certain cause, and you stay out, it's a big no-no. A big group of Jews in your community is getting together to support something and you're not, you, you, you stay out of it, no good. Al says you, should, you may have to worry for heavenly punishment, heavenly retribution. If the rest of the community is giving even when it's beyond their means and you're the only one that's saying, no, 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 I gotta take care of myself. On the other hand, you know how they say in, in today, modern psychology, they say if you're giving somebody um, rebuke, you should start sandwich it, right? You say something good first and then something good at the end and you stick in the... 
the harsh words in the middle, so he does the same thing. Gives all the good reasons why you should give, sneaks in the negative, and then he returns right away to the positive. Says, on the other hand, if you listen to my instructions, and you give when you're supposed to give, and you give beyond what you can give, then uh, you will experience pleasure and goodness of blessings in all good things. It concludes with a wish, a verse, God should do good to those who do good. And not just do good, but do good like we want it. Because when Hashem decides what good is, sometimes we don't know how it's good. But if Hashem does good how we say good is, then we know it's going to be good. In Rosh Hashanah, we dip the apple honey, we say, for a good and sweet. Yeah, why do we say good and sweet? Because good could be a divine type of good. Sweet, that's only we know what sweet tastes like. There was a guy who used to go around in, in the Rebbe's shul in 770. He was a collector of tzedakah. And he, he was known for this line that he had. Take out your wallets, take out a dollar, and give us the rest. Yeah. <laughs> that was like his... <laughs> That's how he would work. And he wasn't joking, he was serious. He said, push yourself. The bottom line of this letter essentially is, you know, we could talk about it in any mitzvah. Here it's talking about tzedakah. The idea is push yourself beyond your limits. Just when you think you can't, that's when you can. And I find a fascinating phenomenon, which is when you push yourself beyond your limits, that's when you feel least reason to be resentful and most reason to celebrate. If you go to the gym, uh, and you're pushing and just at the, the whole time you're going, it's good. But it's the one time when it feels like you just can't push it up and the trainer's going, you got it, yeah, you know, push, scream, let it out. And then you, and, and you do that, that one time that's beyond your limits, that's where the rush of celebration is. That's where the best feelings come over you. That isn't the Alter Rebbe selling point. That's just my selling point. You push yourself beyond your limits. You write the check when you can't. That's when you feel the most reward. That's when you feel the most self-satisfaction. It's a fact. Because you know that you did something that was a real oomph. So the bottom line, the Alter Rebbe was telling this community in 1793. But today it's 2023. And the message is still relevant and fresh. Financial pressure is not a reason to stay away from tzedakah. In fact, it may be a reason to specifically look to give. And when you do, and you push yourself beyond your limits, you better believe Hashem pushes Himself beyond His limits. And He gives you blessings ad blidai to infinity. L'chaim. L'chaim.